Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Three podcasts inside one week. Wow, we are spoiling you like the ambassador who spoiled the guests to his party by giving them a pretty overrated hazelnut chocolate treat. I think there are things that the uh, ambassador, if he was really interested in spoiling the guests to his swanky party, could provide that were, you know, a bit better than a Ferrero Rocher. Like, I don't know, here's a big pile of foie gras, or here is, you know, a a speedboat for everyone. But a chocolate in some kind of, like, crinkly fancy wrapper. Come on, mate. You can do better than that. I don't think that ambassador deserves all the plaudits he gets, to be perfectly honest. However... This is not about that guy and his cheapo chocolate treat ways. This is about the podcast. This is about Arsenal. This is about, well, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about Arsenal. It's a podcast about Arsenal. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Arsenal. We're going to talk about Arsenal in the context of a 2-2 draw against Chelsea during the week. A heroic 10-man late equalizer 2-2 draw, which made us all feel very good inside and maybe outside too. Who knows? Um, One man caught the eye. And that was, well, not one man, that's not fair to say, but one young man in particular caught the eye, and that was Gabriel Martinelli. We're going to talk about him uh, in a couple of moments' time uh, and explore what it is that he's doing, how he's doing it, and and how he came to be doing it at Arsenal. So we'll get some perspective on that in just a couple of minutes' time. A little bit later on, we're going to talk Danny Ceballos. It looks as if his time at the club is coming to an end. He wants to leave. He wants uh, to play more regularly so he can make the Euro 20. 2020 squad for Spain, which, you know, you can understand, but we'll get a view from Spain about Danny Ceballos and what might be happening there and maybe a a bit about Mikel Arteta and and everything else too. So we have got a busy show coming up for you. But before we get into all that, there was a a tweet directed at me earlier today. Let me have a look here. It's from uh, from Jason Green, who's at JMGreen87, uh, following the uh, use, or very uh, sparing use, I should say, considering how much fun I find it, of the robot voice in the Arscast Extra, well, the sort of Arscast Extra that myself and James did on Wednesday after the Chelsea game. And he said, can you please mock up Martin Tyler's Will Tord using your robot voice. Regards, a loyal podcast listener. Of course, that is the moment of commentary when Martin Tyler reacted to Sylvain Will Tord scoring the goal in the 1-0 win over Manchester United in 2002, which saw us win the league 
at Old Trafford. I'm sure many of you listening to this remember it well. Those of you who are perhaps a bit too young, it was fucking great winning the league and shit. That was brilliant. Great times. Don't worry, though. You know, it'll, it'll happen again. These things are cyclical. Our time will come again. Don't you worry about that. And look, it may not be next year or the year after or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 40 years. But look, technology is extending lifespans beyond our, our imagination now. You younger people out there, you know, you could live to be 120, 140. God, that'd be shit. It really would be shit. But, you know, that's making the assumption that there is a world, an inhabitable world for you to live on. I hope there is. And I hope that, of course, you get to see an Arsenal title win before that. You know, at least when you're 86 or something like that. But anyway, here is that bit of commentary with the robot voice in the place of Martin Tyler at the key moment. Sylvester. Walter has got plenty of pace. Youngberg. It's Freddie Youngberg again. Push out by Bartes. Arsenal have scored yet again in the Premiership and this could be the most crucial goal of all. Maybe we could make this into a thing, you know, a long-running series. Great Arsenal commentary moments recreated slash ruined by Arsblog doing it in a robot voice using the little gadget that he got this week, which he can't stop playing with. Who knows? I'm not promising anything one way or the other. But look, let's move on with the show and let's talk Gabriel Martinelli. What an exciting player he is. The talent, the potential, the end product. It's amazing to think that just a year ago or less than a year ago, he was playing regional football in Brazil. It's a massive step forward for him, and what he's done this season has been hugely impressive. So to go behind the scenes on that a little bit and to talk about where he's come from, how he's got here, how this season has gone, way beyond anybody's expectations, and lots and lots more, I'm delighted to welcome to the show the ESPN Brazil uh, English football correspondent. It's João Castelo Branco. Welcome to the Arscast. Hi. Nice to talk to you. Um, I'm a... I'm always listening to your podcast, so it's yeah, it's great to be here. I'm an Arsenal fan myself. So yeah, thanks for having me. Oh my my pleasure. Um it's been quite the quite the first season in English football for Gabriel Martinelli. Um before we get into sort of what's happened, could you just maybe give us a bit of background on him as a player and uh he's still very young, obviously, but but what what sort of level has he come to England from? If there was a comparative level uh, from Brazilian football that you could draw a comparison with a like an English league or something, how big is this step up that he's made and, and how did it come about i mean yeah it's it's amazing what he has done because it, it is a massive step um he came from a club called ituano which is a small town uh, near sao paulo and to for you to get an idea this club nationally it plays in the serie d uh, so it's the fourth tier of brazilian national league uh but in brazil we have state leagues as well uh, at the beginning mm. of the year so in the state championship, they will play uh, with the big teams from the region. So São Paulo, Corinthians, uh, then they will be involved in, in playing bigger teams. But they are a small team. Uh, so it, it's a huge step. And he, and he didn't have a long time, you know, obviously for his age, he didn't have a long time playing in the main team at all. Mm. He kind of exploded uh, playing in the state uh, league. And that's when he really caught the eye where he had a good tournament um, 
scoring some big goals at the age of you know 17 uh, against some of these bigger teams. So they're a very small team, played in the, in the fourth division, but he did play against some bigger teams in in the state league. But he's been a a, a player that's it seems like he's really been prepared for this moment. He's always had this as an aim to come to Europe and more specifically come to the Premier League. Uh, and this club, despite being a small club, it is regarded in Brazil as a good place to develop players. Uh, there was a club that was run by uh, Juninho who, from Middlesbrough mm. uh, for a while. Now Juninho is involved with the National uh, Federation. Um, but Juninho had bought that club and they were really good at bringing in players and developing players and they had a good reputation for that. Um so, yeah, I mean, that gives you an idea in terms of the step, and it's still it's still a massive step, and it's still really impressive yeah. what he's been doing. So, I mean, we've been reading that he had trials at, at Manchester United, and they had him there more than once, and uh, quite why uh, they they didn't take up the opportunity to sign him, I'm not sure, but I'm very glad that they didn't, because he's, he's obviously come uh, to Arsenal, which is great for us. But in terms of that sort of project that you're talking about, preparing him to become, uh, you know, a, a top professional player, which I guess is the ultimate aim, not just to come to the Premier League, but to build a, a long-standing career. How long has that been in motion, and and what sort of what sort of uh, background um, has that come from? Is that his family who are 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 guiding him in that way? Yeah, I think his dad always realised a, a potential from a very young age in him becoming a, a top player. Uh, but like I said, the, the aim I think was looking towards develop him as a player that would be suited for the European leagues rather than start, uh, you know, aim for the Brazilian team. So they were happy to leave already at a young age. Mm. He's got the Italian passport, which allows him to live um, in Europe. His dad, uh, you can tell by his surname, that Martinelli, is, it's an Italian name, although they're all born in Brazil. Right. Um, his dad has that passport also. I think his mum is currently still trying to apply for a visa. So she's sort of coming and going to, from England. They are mm. living with him, but the mum hasn't got a, you know, she's not got the resident permit to, to stay sure, with Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they, at first he was playing for Corinthians, a big team in Brazil from about 10 year old. And then they moved to this small town and they, they decided to put him in Nituano. Um But he he's, He's had people around him, like, you know, a agents and, and people who have sort of helped guide uh, his path and, and given him English lessons and insisted in um, sort of helping. But, but I think a lot of it comes from the player himself, to be honest, from the contact I've had with him and people who know him well. Um, he's got that focus. He's got that. He's very professional. He's got that drive which is not always common, especially for a player at this age. Yeah. Uh, that's something that really stands out. And, and we saw Aubameyang during the win against Sheffield United after uh, Martinelli scored. And Aubameyang put out a tweet saying, this guy is going to be a star, not just because of his goals, but his mentality, his determination. And this is something really that for me stands out. Um, yeah, Hector Bellerin is actually talking about that today, talking about how, you know, th there's obviously a huge talent there and everyone can see the talent but what they don't see is the hard work that he puts in on the training ground that he's the first there at training every day and you know you're right I think when uh, if we can all think back to when we were 18 regardless of uh, how much we might have wanted to do something it is difficult to uh, to have that kind of focus and to have that dedication at such a such a young age 
Exactly. And, it, and that's more and more important for mm. top football players. But not everyone has that naturally. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he seems to really have that focus. And he, he kind of mirrors himself in Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, someone who's really worked really hard at his career. And he knows he has to work hard. That's why I think it's really good that even though he's kind of shining now and starting to get a lot of attention, I think he's got the right kind of attitude to not to get carried away and to continue working hard. I mean, I know for a fact that he's a kind of guy who doesn't like doesn't go out clubbing a lot you know mm. no, nothing against it i think you you can do that as a young player and it's hard not to but he's got that kind of drive you know to try and go to bed early he doesn't touch alcohol doesn't drink alcohol doesn't even touch fizzy drinks maybe like um sparkling water will be his his sort of choice of so he really looks after mm. his diet his body he's already conscious of all that at such a young young age you know yeah, yeah. so i think all, all, it gives you an idea of the kind of personality that that he has yeah and certainly you know the physical side of his game is is really impressive isn't it the the stat that came out after the the chelsea game where he made 26 sprints which is um far more than any other arsenal player i think the next two were saka and lacazette who had 15 or something like that or 14 between you know it's an astonishing thing Mikel Arteta saying as well he thought I was going to take him off because he looked like he had cramp and you know two seconds later he's sprinting 60 yards so you can only do that if you're looking after yourself very well in terms of what he's done so far this season when he arrived at Arsenal he was initially named in the under 23 squad Um, I think they looked at him during the summer during the the tour of the US and realized that perhaps he was a little more uh, advanced in his development than they might have thought or expected. Are you surprised that he's had the kind of impact that he has? He's the second highest scorer at Arsenal this season. Only Aubameyang has scored more. Uh, he's uh, at 10 goals now or the end of January. For an 18-year-old, regardless of how dedicated and professional he is, regardless of how hard he works, it's still a remarkable uh, achievement to 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 rack up those kind of numbers in your yeah, first season in English football. Definitely, I think everyone's surprised. To, to be honest, I don't think many people expected that. I don't think even Arsenal saw this as a, you know, they they had Lacazette, Aubameyang. Um, I don't think they expected him to come in and and have such an impact straight away. I think mm. it was like a they saw him as a potential and and let's bring him in and and see what he's like. Um, and it's worked out beautifully. I mean. In Brazil as well, he no one expected this to happen. Even though he sh- he only show was showing a few glimpses of of potential, but you know in the past we've had Brazilian players even come to Arsenal and then get loaned out. Um, I forgot his name, but it, it was more due to a visa situation. But Wellington was it? Yeah, Wellington. You know, he yeah. went out to Spain for a while, and people saying, "Oh, this guy could be good." And then you know, sometimes it just never really comes off. Um, and we, we've seen a few examples like that, but. It was clear straight away that Arsenal saw that wanted it to keep him close, and and maybe he'd get a few opportunities here and there in the cups. But it, he's proven to to be much more than that, and he's already developed way beyond um, what people expected. I, I don't think Arsenal expected that. I certainly didn't. Yeah, I mean he's uh, very much knocking on the door for the Premier League team. You know, I know he's in there now because Aubameyang is suspended, but. You know, when Aubameyang comes back and you look at the form of the players and you, you look at the impact um, that that he's had, it would seem very harsh to drop him only because he's 18, not because of how he's playing. Yeah, I mean, I think that what will play as well in his favour is that he's really versatile. He's, he can play in several positions up front. So he can play. We've yeah. seen him come more wide and we've seen him go more central. 
I don't think he particularly likes sort of being that pivotal striker playing with the back to the goal. You know, he, he likes to come back. He likes to drop deep or, or run. But he, we've, you know, he's, his range of finishing, his confidence, it, it really just, he just seems like a, a great player to have and, and really good potential for, for Arsenal. And, and Brazil, you know, mm. Brazil are now fighting because he's, he's been called up for Brazil under 23 um, hurriedly because uh, Italy have, have shown some interest in, in calling him up Yeah, and he, he's not closed that door he's, he's saying look if Brazil don't call me up Italy I, I, he says he'd rather play for Brazil but if he doesn't get called up he wouldn't rule out playing for Italy um, and Brazil are really kind of aware of that because we've lost a few players in, in the last few years like Jorginho like uh, Diego Costa to mm. other nations and, and there's a lot of pressure not to repeat that you yeah. know, to let these players of dual nationality slip away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and certainly what he did against Chelsea on Tuesday night will have, I think, uh, raised the awareness of him to a new level, no? Because uh, whatever you do in the Europa League, whatever you do in the Carabao Cup, people will pay attention. And I'm sure people in Brazil uh, are aware and interested in what this young guy is doing in England. But when you do it on that stage, when you do it against Chelsea, and when you do it in the manner in which he did it. That goal that he scored is um, eye-catching in all kinds of ways. So that will certainly raise the awareness of him uh, back home and around Europe, I'm sure. De- definitely. I mean, what, there's a, there's an expression in Portuguese that we say that he has stardom, like star estrela, yeah. um, which just means he's got that kind of almost like things happen for him, you know? Mm. Um sometimes I don't know maybe a bit of luck like in that goal he was amazing but Kante slipping do mm, you know what I mean but, sure. but things just seem to happen for him he gets the goals and that's now getting two goals in a row in the Premier League um, and strikers need that they need that kind of magic where they do get the goals they're able to, to and the confidence he has is amazing you know, when he gets the ball he really goes for it he mm. tries to take people on um, and it's such a contrast because I'm I often cover the matches for ESPN Brazil and I'm there you know behind the scenes where the, the players come out and when he comes out I'm always surprised how actually how small he is for because on the pitch he, he he imposes himself he seems much bigger he comes out he's just a, you know you see he's just a kid he's not as tall as I had expected from seeing him on TV and he's really shy like uh, but you you know you can understand uh, as an yeah. 18 year old to talk to the in front of the cameras he, he's still not very um, articulate in that way um, and, and, and a bit shy but it's clear that on the pitch he's not like that at all and, and I think even within the kind of squad environment he seems to already be making friends he he talked about how Aubameyang is, is really helpful as well to the to him and, and speaks to him in Spanish and and he's getting that. He's got, you know, he's made friends. He's he seems to be settling in really well. We have to remember it's his first season. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, yeah. When you think that there's more physical development to come because he is only 18, you know, he's going to maybe get a bit taller. He's going to get a bit stronger, fill out. Um, it's an exciting prospect uh, for us as Arsenal fans, that's for sure. What about the the Brazilian um, influence at Arsenal? in terms of helping him integrate into the squad, integrate into life in England. We know that Edu is our technical director, and I might ask you a question or two about him now in a moment, but but David Luiz in the squad as well. Uh, to have that um, senior Brazilian within the team, uh, how helpful has that been for him? 
Yeah, I'm sure that's really helped. I mean, he's mentioned that before. Um, he also mentioned that I, f- I forgot what our reserve, one of our reserve keepers is called uh, Spanish. Emmy Martinez. Yes, yes. He get he he gives him a lift to, to training every day. I think right. if I'm not mistaken. Um, but have, yeah, I mean, have, David's a guy who's you know he's really friendly. He's really helpful. He, he likes to to help people out. You know, you can f- think of him what you want, but he is um, a genuine sort of guy who likes to help people mm. especially Brazilians will have that connection and, and David will, will be helping a lot in that and obviously having Edu there is another uh, major um, factor that, that will help I don't know how much Edu was involved in actually bringing him this is it's a bit of a mystery um, I mean with, with regards to Edu it's to be honest it's all a little bit um, restricted what kind of access we get to him at the moment which is um, a is little that, bit surprising. Yeah, is that a bit unusual? Because, I mean, one of the things that has, I, I, I guess it doesn't surprise me so much, but I'm always sort of, um, when you look at foreign players dealing with their own media, and in particular Brazilian players, I think, are, are quite open with, with the media there. It seems to me anyway, from the outside, when they're talking to, to, to another Brazilian or talking to Brazilian channels, there tends to be quite a bit more access than you would get if it was an English player, for example, talking to the English press and what have you. So I know Edu's not a player. Um, he's been in the role now quite a quite a while. It's coming up on, I guess, what, nine months now. And we haven't really heard a great deal from him about what it is that he's doing, about what his what his remit is at the club. We have a vague idea of what uh, you know technical director is supposed to do. I mean, do you think it's a case of him settling in and just seeing how things are going, or is is that the kind of guy that he is that he would prefer to do his work behind the scenes and not talk too much about it? Mm, not exactly, to be honest. He's a guy who likes to talk and right. he's a good talker and I think he would um, be happy to talk and he will be talking soon. I think it's more a fact that he came to the club at that moment where there were lots of things happening behind the scenes, lots of changes you know, with them and, and delicate situations with, with the manager. So from what I know, it's more something coming from the club top up to keep not... Um, to restrict the amount of voices that are being coming out of the club. Mm. So you have a sort of, you know, just have a unified um, voice. We hear sometimes maybe Raul saying one or two things, and, and but basically the manager. Um, at the moment, you, you haven't seen any interviews with, with Edu. And this is a, a choice uh, by the club. They, they, they prefer not to put him in that spotlight at the moment. Right. I don't know all the reasons, but... I, you know, I think it's basically to try and keep um, a unified view because I think, yeah, if he did talk to the Brazilian press, he would probably hope he, he's quite open, an open guy. And these days, and, and it's something that makes our life as Brazilian journalists a bit more difficult. Anything that is said, even if it's only on in Brazil, will have impact. You know, people yeah. will pick up on it and it will be on the social media everywhere. So you can't really just have some, oh, we'll just do something for Brazil. No, yeah. that, well, it's a global world. A global, it's a global world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The global media now, you know, that you say something in one territory and it's it's around the world in no time. But I mean, is that something that, um, just very finally, that you yourself are going to try and pursue and maybe get that exclusive with Edu and find out what's going on? Yeah, I've been trying from day one. <laughs> I, I've, I've been, and you know, I've, I've bumped into him a couple of times. Um 
and he's you know he's just waiting for the right time and the club as well have said that you know they're, they're just waiting for the right moment and you know hopefully I'll be one of the first ones but um, I'm not sure when that will be yet to be honest okay well we're waiting to see in fairness there has been a lot going on you know with the whole uh, exactly Una I Emery thing it. yeah I, I can understand it too but you know you, you can also understand that people are anxious and they want to hear you know about the direction of the club and I think what we have now in, in Mikel Arteta is somebody who can very clearly articulate what he wants and what he expects from the players and and the squad and when it comes to to playing games and performances i think it, there's real clarity as to what he's saying just slightly above that though it's like how do you want to how do you want to make progress how do you want this club to step forward what are the real ambitions and and how are we going to get there and i think those have to come from from somebody above arteta i totally agree with you mm. uh, and i think it's you know now it's it's time to make that a bit more clear like mm. not just that but you're saying what is his remit what is he doing exactly because is Ed doing as Raul and you know who's doing what and who's in charge of mm. and and um, I think it, sooner or later that will happen um, I'm, I think Arsenal um, like most clubs in the Premier League they, they try and really protect themselves and close things in and, and keep everything in house and kind of restrict the, the kind of um what people are saying and I think it's a little bit over the top uh, often mm. okay well look we'll uh, sit and wait for you to get the nod to get that exclusive with Edu and uh, as and when that happens after it's gone out on ESPN Brazil and everybody else has put it on their social media maybe we could have a chat about it then again on the podcast yeah sounds good that would be a pleasure alright listen Joao thank you very much great to talk to you yeah you too man cheers thanks a lot thank you very much indeed to Joao you can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Castelo Branco at J underscore Castello Branco. Obviously very interesting to hear about Gabriel Martinelli, but also about Edu as well. I had sort of assumed that he was a guy who was kind of happy enough to to do his work in the background and not be quite as public facing. And this might go some way to explaining why you know he's been pretty quiet since he took over. Um, but it seems he's a guy who does like to talk. He's just not allowed. The shackles are on. And you can understand why those people at um, at executive level, shall we say, would prefer perhaps to keep a bit of a low profile at this moment in time, given what has happened this season on the pitch and off the pitch and, you know, where we are right now compared to where we thought we were going to be or where we all hoped we were going to be when this season began. They're two very, very different places. So, you know, maybe there's a bit of common sense in keeping your head down until things turn around. Hopefully that process has started now under Mikel Arteta, and if it does, and if it continues, and if results improve, maybe we might just get to hear from Edu. We might have a better idea of what it is he does, what he wants to do, and how he hopes to achieve that, because I think clear communication is just so, so important. You've heard me say this countless times before, but it goes a long, long way. A long way. So if we can get a bit of that from Edu, that would be very, very welcome. I don't think it's going to happen anytime in the very near future, but as and when it does, no doubt, we can get Joao back on to give us maybe a bit more uh, from under the hood, if you like. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right with me now on the Arscast to discuss the situation regarding Danny Ceballos and his desire to uh, find more regular football and perhaps move on from his loan spell at Arsenal this January. I'm joined by Alex Kirkland, who is part of the team of the fantastic Spanish football podcast. Alex, how are you? Hello, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, look, let's talk about Ceballos and talk about what appears to be happening Um Reports from Spain that he has been speaking to Real Madrid. He wants to cut short his loan with Arsenal because he feels he's not quite getting the football that he needs. He wants to be in the Spain squad for Euro 2020. I mean, is there any more to it than that? Can you give us a bit more or is that just basically the crux of it? Well, the first thing I should say is it's not something I've been able to confirm independently um, today. Okay. But it's being widely reported here in all the major um, press. It's in Marca. It's in AS. It's been on the radio. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly come from, from somewhere. And I think the first thing I'd say is I, I'm a little bit baffled by it, to yeah. be honest. And I think it's incredibly premature and a little <laughs> bit disappointing. Really. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you feel it's premature because, you know, he did have an injury. He picked up an injury at the start of November, a fairly serious hamstring injury, which kept him out. And even a couple of a couple of weeks ago, Mikel Arteta said, look, he's, he's getting towards fitness. Arteta spoke very highly of him as the kind of player that he likes. And for this to come out towards the end of the towards the end of the transfer window, is it's a bit surprising for me as well because there's a lot of football for Arsenal to play this season still. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but since coming back from injury, he's only been on the bench. Is it four games in a row he's been on the bench without playing, I think? Potentially. And I just think, I don't know. I, I don't really understand it. The only way I would understand it is if Arteta had said to him privately, you know, you're not for me. Mm. Um, then, then sure that would be a different thing but I don't think that's happened and I just think I don't think it speaks particularly well of of him you would think surely this is an opportunity you know get your head down work hard there's a new coach mm. the team is improving the team is improving but it's not as if the team is is kind of set it's not like you look at the team right now and say it's impossible for Danny Savile <laughs> to break into this Arsenal team Do yeah. you know what I mean you feel like the, the potential is there to win a place in the in the team if he works hard and and does well but instead it feels like you know not not playing for a few games in a row and he's panicked maybe you understand the desire to to play regularly especially with the with the european championships coming up and his desire to to get back into the spain squad in the and the spain team but still i just it, it's it's it feels a bit misguided as far as as far as i'm concerned unless there's more to it than we than we realize but like you say there's a lot of football to be played this this season and you'd think that he might quite like the idea of playing in a, a functioning 
Arsenal team, something which, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to, to do up to this point. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, it's only a couple of months ago that he was talking about how it was the right decision for him to move to to Arsenal on loan from Real Madrid. He was in the Spain squad. I think maybe the last time we talked, he had just suffered maybe a little bit of an injury in one mm. of the um, one of the, the, the games, but he was in the squad and there was no question of him not being in the squad. He was featuring regularly under Unai Emery. And I think you're, you're right, you know, that... Um, Mikel Arteta is working with the players that he has, and he hasn't really had Ceballos to work with. You know, he's using Mesut Ozil as a 10, for example, and maybe the scope to to use Ceballos, not quite as a 10, but maybe you use two, two eights and you use Lucas Torreira and, and something like that. So he was on the bench for three of the last uh, four games. He didn't get on. I think the circumstances of the games perhaps played played a part in that. I mean, he's not... He doesn't strike me or, you know, certainly from what we've seen, not necessarily an impulsive guy. So it might speak to something going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of, that his desire to to get out or to find a new club might be predicated on on information that we don't have in terms of what his chances might be. I mean, you can understand, you know, disappointment. Uh, how the season has gone so far because I think it has been disappointing for for everyone it's been disappointing for Arsenal because you know they thought they were getting a really talented player who could play a big part this season and that just hasn't been the case so far disappointment for him because he came to to get regular minutes and play regular football and kind of put himself in the shop window I guess and he hasn't been able to to do that and it must have been disappointing for Real Madrid as well because they sent him to, to Arsenal presumably because they wanted him to play, either that he plays really well and comes back and can be incorporated back mm. into the team, even if that's maybe unlikely with Zidane in charge, or if not, he's, you know, his price has gone up and they can, they can make some good money on him. Instead, you'd have to say from Real Madrid's point of view, you know, I think he's probably, his value has, has decreased probably a, a fair bit you know, compared to what it would have been last, last summer, maybe. Mm. So it has been disappointing, and you can understand him being disappointed I guess the question is how you react to that and like I say the reaction that you would have liked to see is for him to to kind of view it as a challenge and one to one to try and to take on rather than mm. to to maybe you know run away from yeah I mean look I I, I spoke to you I think and I spoke to Sid Lowe uh, as well uh, because he wrote a very good piece about Ceballos and uh, you know there was an interview with him in in the Guardian mm. and everything that he said in that interview and everything that sort of Sid wrote about made you think that this is a guy that despite the fact that sometimes Spanish players can take a little bit of time to settle in England or you know as we saw last season Denis Suarez never really never really got on top of what was required I know he had an injury and everything else but he never quite felt like the right fit but you know everything about Ceballos the way that he plays the character the 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 ambition all of those things seem very well suited to a Arsenal and b English football you know so it, it is a bit of a surprise that that perhaps um I don't want to say he's thrown the towel in, but, you know, from the outside and from, you know, looking at it from the media reports, it feels a little bit like that, which is, uh, it is a bit of a surprise. I was talking to Sid about this this afternoon, actually, and he was he was saying the same thing, just how kind of surprised he was by these reports, given all of the really positive things that Ceballos had said mm. when when Sid had a, had a chat to him and how much he seemed to be kind of relishing the challenge of, of English football and, and and so on, and that doesn't really fit in with with what we're seeing now. Now, of course, you know, circumstances can change, 
And also, you, I think we've said before, you do always have to take the things that players say with a, with a pinch of salt because, you know, they might well at yeah. times be kind of saying what they think they should be saying or what you or what you want to hear. I mean, Sabayos is, he is a bit of a um, fiery, you know, hot-headed character at, at times. And maybe this is kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing and, you know, and something that he might, I don't know, not necessarily have, have thought through. You'd think that, you know, he should have people around him who would be able to advise him in these, in these, in these situations? And who knows if they've sort of handled this one well or mm. or not? I guess that remains to be to be seen. What would uh, potentially be a, a destination for him if he were to to go back out on loan? It strikes me that you know if he's um, out of his comfort zone in England, you know he might want to go back to Spain. So are there are there clubs in Spain who would be interested in taking him? I did see some mention of Valencia. Yes, yeah, Valencia were the one that were mentioned today. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that a number of clubs would be would be keen because although it has been, like I say, a really disappointing season, he is still thought of here as being one of the you know most talented young players in Spain, even if he still hasn't ever really fulfilled that potential consistently. People feel like the the quality is is there. And yeah, I, I've seen one or two people, you know, rather tongue in cheekedly making the sort of the Denis Suarez comparison as you as you mentioned. The difference is, you know, Ceballos is potentially a much, much better player than, than mm. Denis Suarez. And he's much more highly rated than than Denis Suarez. He really is another another level. Denis Suarez is a player who was really, really gifted when he was 17, 18, but has never, ever made the step up at, at senior level. Whereas Danny Ceballos has, you know, the, the way that he played here briefly at Betis, um, yeah. at Real Madrid in flashes, in games, if not ever consistently. And the number of times that he's he has done it for, for the national team as as well. So we are talking about a different calibre of player. And like I say, I think I think there's a, there's a number of teams that would be really, really keen. I mean, you wouldn't rule out uh, potentially a, re- a return back to, to Betis, I, I, I guess, as well. And Valencia is an interesting one, although they have got a few similar-ish players, so there is a bit of competition there, but Ceballos would give them something different. But no, I definitely think there would be no shortage of, of suitors in La Liga for sure. Mm. All right, well, look, we'll wait and see what happens there with Danny Ceballos. And, you know, I personally, I wouldn't be uh, um, unhappy if he decided to stay and fight for a place. I think there are... There are things that he can bring to this team, um, so you know we'll we'll just have to play it by ear and see what happens. Well, it was we just qu- don't know, do we? That's no. how I feel. I, mean, I feel like we haven't had the opportunity, and he hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can do. And I would love to, like I say, I'd love to see him get the chance to do that in a proper. Team well, that's with, it. Yeah, that, but that, you know, it would be such a disappointing if that never. If that never happened. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, I think it's, you kind of, because of the way everything ended with Unai Emery and the way that things kind of went downhill, it was very difficult to make any individual assessment, you know, a proper, yeah. true individual assessment. You can you can see players who, who don't uh, perhaps play as, as well as, as they could have under Emery, but you, you look at what's happened with Arteta and the way that he has turned things around. You know, if I was, if I was Ceballos and I was looking at what he's done to... To Granit Xhaka, to David Luiz, to Socrates, you know, to all of these players who under Emery looked an absolute shit show, I would be, if I was a bias, I'd be going, just tell me what to do, Mikel, and I'll do it and, you know, uh, and, and we'll see where it takes us. Well, so. that, that's why it's so worrying that the reaction seems to have been quite the opposite. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, look, let's um, talk 
very briefly about Arteta. You know, he's only seven games in. He's heading towards his eighth game in charge as as Arsenal manager. You know, has what he has done at Arsenal made any impact in the, you know, the football press in Spain, which I, you know, I know is a little bit insular. It can be, you know, <laughs> they, they've got big agendas and big things to talk about week in, week out over there. But, you know... Well, it's true though you know they, oh, it is but they've also got remember they've got a lot of a lot of pages to fill never, yes never that's that's that true yeah, yeah. dedicated sports press there yeah, is yeah, room yeah. there is room there <laughs> that is true so I mean is is it having an impact because you know we you know I remember when I lived in Spain Arsenal were pretty much always in the the Spanish papers because it was the era of Fabregas. It was the era of Reyes. You know, we were always the game that was on TV when you went to the Irish bar on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. It was always the Arsenal game that was on because there were Spanish players involved. Now there's a Spanish coach. uh, You know, he's a rookie coach, but he's obviously doing well and he's making things... um, He's turning things around. It's a big, big... A tanker to turn around so it's going to be a long slow turning circle I think but uh, you know is what Arteta is doing is it uh, is it reaching the media over there are people talking about it a little bit yeah it's getting attention he gets attention because of the Guardiola connection because there is this feeling that you know could he be the next Pep I guess in terms of his profile here he's a little bit different because although he's a Spanish player of course he spent you know almost the entirety of his career Elsewhere, you know, yeah. he went abroad at a very, very young age, didn't he? When he went to went to PSG and from there to, to Rangers and from there to the Premier League, so you know, he spent no time here in in Spain, effectively. So while of course they're aware of him, he, he's never quite had that profile here. Um, certainly not as a as a player, and of course not yet as a as a coach. But no, definitely the Guardiola connection means that people are are keeping an eye on him. And yeah, you know, Arsenal have got attention here. Of course, under Emery, they they got attention here as well. There was kind of excitement in the in the first season, and then there was sort of you know they were looking on as sort of the car crash of this season Uh-oh. unfolded. Uh-oh. That got quite a bit of uh, <laughs> quite a bit of attention as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of teams here that, that catch the, the eye of course you know those glory days are, are long gone and everyone here talks about Liverpool all the time sure you know pe- people here accept that Liverpool are probably the the best team in the world um, and of course the same goes for City the same has gone for Spurs in the last in the last year or two and naturally of course mostly by being out of the Champions League Arsenal's profile has has diminished quite a quite a bit but no I mean if Arteta does have the impact that we all desperately hope that he that he has he'll get plenty of attention here and you know it wouldn't take too much for him to start being potentially named as a as a candidate for jobs back here that isn't happening yet and that will come further down the line the first thing he'd have to do would be to be a success yeah, as yeah, a coach yeah. which he hasn't done yet he hasn't had the opportunity to do to do yet um, but yeah that wouldn't be a, a million miles away if he were to, to have that success yeah sure I mean look we saw the uh, the stories today about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Barcelona and yeah. you know it was like a, a blast from the past wasn't it how you know all oh, the, the good old days <laughs> good old days of El Mundo and sport talking about how you know they've got the okay you know behind the scenes the Aubameyang camp really want to move you know and well, we look, all, it's just nice to have a player who's good enough yeah, to be linked to oh, that's what I was thinking you know I mean it used to happen all the time and we had it then but then you sort of get a bit nostalgic for it yeah 
I was um, thinking about, you know, yeah. at least it's a guy who is whatever age Aubameyang is, he's 30 years of age. At least it's a 30-year-old and not like our, our promising 22-year-old. Yeah, but no, that has been getting a lot of attention. Aubameyang's been on the front page of the Barcelona Press, either Sports or Muna Deportivo, multiple days in the last week. He's not the only name being mentioned. You know, they've thrown in about, I don't know, 10 different possible uh, number nines. You know, they desperately need a striker because Luis Suarez is out for four months and they basically don't have don't have a number nine. Um, a lot of the reports have been saying that Aubameyang would be their first choice and they would love to have him, but also those reports acknowledge that it's that difficult. Arsenal, you know, wouldn't be willing to let him go, and it would be it would be a difficult deal to to do. I don't see it necessarily as being particularly likely, but I mean you can understand why for them mm. if they're looking for a short term goal scoring solution. I mean you couldn't pick a better candidate than than Aubameyang, could you really? No, but I mean that short term goal scoring solution is going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, you know, and they don't have do, they don't yeah. have that. Not certainly not to spend in in, in January. Sometimes there's I think people have the misconception that Barca and Madrid have kind of endless reservoirs of cash to, to spend, you know, and that's mm. that's really not the case. Like when you look at how much Barcelona have spent in the last couple of years on someone like Griezmann, on Frankie de Jong, you know, they hadn't had to get out alone, in fact, to, to for the I think it was the Griezmann to cover some of the Griezmann deal at, at least. They don't have a bottomless Pit of, yeah. of money and yeah I think I think you're right I think Aubameyang would be beyond them somehow though they always seem to manage to find yeah, some money from do. somewhere it's, 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 it's like, a little bit suspicious isn't it? <laughs> down the back of the sofa at Camp Nou or something <laughs> it's like Real Madrid you know just oh well maybe the, the city could buy our training ground office and give yes. us the money to spend on and some players some skyscrapers on it exactly. yeah exactly. exactly yeah there there always seems to be a way and you know fine well from living in Spain the, <laughs> the way the way money moves around in Spain I don't think there's anywhere like it in the world, to be honest. Do you know what? I'll tell you a little quick story here, which has got nothing to do with football. But when I moved to Spain in 2001, we were buying a house and we had sold a house in Dublin. And we we were sort of, we didn't really know Spanish then. And we were uh, working through a friend. And basically the situation was the house cost this much, but we had to pay X amount in cash. Right, yeah, yeah, but yeah. X amount, like it was split between the developer or the owner of the house, whoever built the house, but also the notario, who's like the legal guy in all this. He had to get a like an envelope of cash for the house sale to go through. It's rem- it's an amazing place for that. Stuff. That that guy being the being the notario, that's the best job ever. I swear, because what Fuck they do, me, yeah. all their job consists of sometimes you go to the office, you wait around. They come into the room, they sign literally a signature on a piece of paper, and they charge you 100 euros, and they're gone in like, yeah. like a minute. It's incredible. Well, this Brilliant. was this was this was a fair bit more than 100 it euros. Pays more than podcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, take take it up with your bosses. Um, <laughs> t- just very finally, Alex, uh, as an Arsenal fan yourself, how are you uh, feeling about things now? And uh, you know, under uh, Unai Emery, it, it wasn't great. It it feels like if we haven't quite turned a corner under Mikel Arteta, we're 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 going somewhat in the right direction, or at least we can see where the right direction is. Oh, and that's enough. Like for me right now, that's that's all I wanted. All I wanted was a bit of a bit of direction. I'm really trying not to even really look at the results mm. and just focus on can I see like tangible things that I feel like the team is making progress, and you absolutely can. Like pretty much, I mean, not I mean the performances have been up and down, 
but I feel like in most games you can you can identify things where you're like, oh, okay, that's different, that's interesting. I like the look of that, and that is that is so mm. encouraging. I'm so infused by that compared to kind of the you felt like just the situation was drifting under under Emery at the at the end, and of course it was allowed to drift for a lot longer than it than it should have been. Um, but no, I'm really really encouraged by by Arteta. I can't wait to see what he. What, what he does and like I say it's it's early days but yes I think you can definitely see that that progress is is being made and this season is a bit of a write-off and whatever happens I don't really have any expectations in terms of what we're actually going to achieve this this season but like I say I'm just I'm just so glad that the team appears to be heading in the right direction Kesarasara mm. and all that absolutely <laughs> all right Alex listen thanks a million for your time and maybe we can uh, catch up again later in the season it's a pleasure thanks man anytime Thank you very much indeed to Alex. You can find him on Twitter at Alex Kirkland. And of course, he's part of the Spanish football podcast team, which you can find on Twitter at TSF underscore podcast. And of course, you can download it and subscribe to it wherever you get podcasts, the Spanish football podcast. So there you go. We'll wait and see what happens with Danny Ceballos. It will be interesting to see if he is part of the squad for Monday's FA Cup fourth round tie with with Bournemouth, of course, uh, another Monday night game, another late night kickoff. We've had too many of those this season for my liking, to be perfectly honest. But there you go. All we can do is go there and try and win the game. And if Ceballos is involved, maybe it hints that he's going to be with us until the end of the season. Who knows, though? Transfer deals, they work uh, in strange and complicated ways and things happen uh, when you don't expect them to. And they can also happen very quickly um, as well, particularly when you come to the end of the January window it's not uncommon for for deals to go through very fast even on deadline day you think for example Nacho Monreal somebody that we signed basically in about 10 hours um back in 20 2013, I think. Anyway, look, we'll wait and see what happens. Our weekend is free. There's no Arsenal on Saturday, no Arsenal on Sunday. And of course, we do have to wait until Monday night to play Bournemouth in the FA Cup. They're obviously having a very, very difficult time of it in the Premier League, but did win their last game. Um, How focused they might be on the Cup when points are going to be so, so important for them uh, in the league remains to be seen. It might be just a kind of nice distraction for them, something they can go out without too much pressure, and that might that might work out well for them. Mikel Arteta, I think, is going to take it seriously. He took the last round seriously against Leeds. I thought there would be quite a bit more rotation for that game than there actually was. So considering we're playing a, a Premier League opponent um, who we've already played or only played just a couple of weeks ago, that's weird, isn't it? Mikel Arteta, is what, this will be, what, his seventh or eighth game in charge? I should look this up. But basically, in that time, he will have played two teams twice. So he played Chelsea twice. Let's see. Arteta took over on the 26th of December. That was his first game. It was a 1-1 against Bournemouth. And then 29th of December was Chelsea, and, and 21st of January was Chelsea. And then we're going to play Bournemouth again. That's weird, isn't it? I wonder, has that happened before? A new manager within, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So this will be his eighth game in charge. Four of those games have come against two teams. That's, well, what is that? I reckon that's going to be a pub quiz question in a few years' time or a few months' time. Which manager took over a club and in the first eight games played two teams twice? Four of those games, whatever. Fucking, I'm not good at writing questions. 
Who manager play two team four time in open eight game at club? I think most pub quizzes will be much better if the questions were asked in that fashion. Who best Oscar actor 1972? Neil Armstrong walk moon first, but who second moon boy? Not sure it's going to catch on. But look, we'll wait until Monday to play our, our FA Cup game. Hopefully we can get ourselves into the fifth round. Hopefully we can get a win under our belts. And you can hear myself and James talk all about it and all the rest on the Arscast Extra on Tuesday, which is, you know, what happens when you have a game on Monday. The podcast has to wait until Tuesday. As ever, thank you for listening. Remember, if you want more content, if you want ad-free podcasts, ad-free apps, Discord chat, and lots more besides, become an Arsblog member on Patreon for just a fiver a month. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Arsenal comes streaming forward now in what will surely be their last attack. A good ball by Dixon, finding Smith. For Thomas, charging through the midfield. Thomas, it's up for grabs now! Thomas, right at the end. An unbelievable climax to the league season. We're well into injury time. The Liverpool players are down. Absolutely abject. Aldridge is down. Barnes is down. Dalglish just stands there. Nickel on his knees. McMahon is on his knees. Ha 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 ha! McMahon, one minute. Ha ha! Malfunction. Malfunction. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.